Leah Vanderlinden shares how being authentic and getting comfortable with who you are allows you to create a connection within. She shares how zooming out allows your soul to heal. This is one powerful and deep conversation that you don't want to miss. Stay tuned to hear all the amazing tips that Leah has to offer. Welcome to the Power of Investing in People podcast. I am your host, Shay Sparks. I have found the secret to transforming trauma into treasure. We start by choosing to invest in ourselves first, and then it overflows onto others. By sharing how we have overcome our obstacles, we ignite a tiny spark of hope, love, connection, and community in other people. And when we ignite that spark, the whole world lights up. And that's the power of investing in people. Just imagine what you could ignite when you invest in yourself first. Welcome to the Power of Investing in People podcast. And today... My guest is the incredibly beautiful and amazing and my dear friend, Leah Vanden Linden. Welcome to the show, Leah. I'm so happy to be here. I'm so happy that you're here. So Leah and I have known each other for about maybe a year, maybe, Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. and immediately hit it off as soul sisters. It's like we were separated at birth somehow. (laughs) 100%. (laughs) And uh, we connected over Facebook in a, I think it was a a group. And, Mm -hmm. um, and then you invited me into your group to do some Facebook lives teaching. And I was just in awe of everything that you're doing. So I thank you so much that you're here with me today. The feeling is so mutual, honey. Thanks for having me. Yeah. So for those of you who don't know, Leah Vanden Linden is a holistic guide. She helps women identify and break through unconscious beliefs and patterns. She guides them to see where they are stuck unconsciously and then teaches them how to heal these areas through strengthening spiritual growth and soul development. Her clients have gained more confidence through self-acceptance and self-compassion after they have worked with her. Leah is able to utilize her clients' wounds and transform them into warriors. Combining her own spiritual gifts and 17-plus years of experience in the mental and behavioral health field, Leah has created her personalized soul development sessions. These sessions might include meditation, breath work, inner child work, shadow work, heart-to-heart connections, along with so many other ways that she could use to help connect to one's soul. Her motto is oftentimes the missing piece is a cluster of many things that we bury deep down without realizing it. Together, we can and will heal one breath at a time because together we are unstoppable. Wow, Leah, that is, (laughs) oh my gosh, so many good things in there, which is why I I know 
this is why we're, we're, we're soul sisters for sure. We so are. first off, tell us, um, what does investing in people mean to you? To me, it means, um, to simply zoom out. I was told that expression one time and it's never left me. Um, a lot of times when we observe a person or we meet someone new, we kind of zoom into the perspective of how we're seeing them from where we are in that very moment in our own lives. Mm. But a lot of times we misjudge people and connecting to people to me is kind of zooming out and just allowing that person to speak without any preconceptions or projections and just allowing me to connect to them on just who they show me who they are, as opposed to me making this <laughs> um, belief of who they are. If that makes mm. sense. Yeah, definitely makes sense. It's almost like you're you're looking at them through eyes of innocence rather than, yes. um, yeah, our like preconceived notions. Yeah, mm-hmm. our pre- preconceived notions about them. Mm-hmm. Mm, that's beautiful. Thank you. Thank you for sharing that. So what obstacles have you overcome that allowed you to see that investing in people is something that you wanted to do? I think my biggest thing would just be a lot of self-rejection. Mm. A lot of rejection from others has kind of put me in a place of just knowing what it feels like to be misunderstood or not seen. Mm-hmm. And I think that connection really is about having someone take the time to literally do that, connect to you, you know, to um to just to just dive into you and give you that space of just being who you are. And I think when you go from a place where you are judged so much, you run from who you are because it felt like everybody else that met those parts of you um, didn't like who you were. Mm. So, you know, a lot of times with that being said, if you grew up in an environment where you never felt that acceptance, um, you also struggle with accepting others even though you might not even realize that. And so I think my biggest obstacles um, that I overcame was reaching for acceptance in what wasn't healthy that felt like acceptance and really learning what that was, you know, um, acting out and just getting scraps of love. I know we've talked about that before, but, Mm -hmm. um, and just being so hungry for love that you settle for the cracker when you want the whole meal. Yes. (laughs) And wonder why you have, your stomach rumbling and grumbling in pain later because you didn't actually feed the hunger. You just satisfied it for a brief moment. Mm. You go and you get that little scrap of love and you go and you put yourself in that crowd where people only accept just the part of you, you show them. You never satisfy that hunger. And so that would be, I guess, my way to connecting to people is to, to remind myself constantly of what that felt like and to not do that to other people. Um, I know that kind of goes back to the first answer, but I guess that really is <laughs> important to me that that came up twice. <laughs> exactly. Just, just seeing people with new eyes and not wounded eye. Yeah. And, and it's so important that we heal first in order to be able to do, to have, to have that skill and to be able to do that. Mm-hmm. So it sounds like you went through your own self-discovery in order to be able to help others guide them through their self-discovery. Yeah, I went through a place where a space for quite a while where I 
I was not being authentic and I didn't realize it until later on, you know, mm-hmm. it's so many things because I craved that acceptance that I would say yes all the time when I didn't want to really go to an event or I didn't really want to even necessarily be friends with some people, but I just deeply wanted that human interaction or that acceptance. Um, and so I, I didn't realize at that time how much I was saying no to me. Mm-hmm. And when I learned more about being authentic and what that really meant, I got, I think that is probably what now saying that what helped me more with connection than anything, because it's hard to connect to people when you're operating out of a space that's not authentic. No, right? for you're, sure. <laughs> if you're saying you want to go to something, but deep down you feel like shit every time you're there, mm-hmm. but yes, and you're going anyway, you're not being authentic. So now people are excited because they're thinking you want to be at these functions. They're going to keep inviting you back. You start in in the back of your mind building resentment because you're going. (laughs) Right. Yes. And then you start pulling away or judging these people or finding faults in them so that you don't have to go or you conveniently get sick, you know? And so then you start in the back of your mind beating yourself up over that because you feel guilty because you're rejecting them. And so- Yeah, it's that vicious cycle. But until you can authentically say and get comfortable with saying, this is who I am, this is, you know, what I believe, this is what I don't, then I think you're going to have a hard time um, with connection in general because you're not connected to you and to to what really makes you who you are. Mm. Wow. So true. So true. Gosh. So you really touched on something. So a lot of times, so I see that. Well, first of all, let me back up. So Lee and I did this, um, I guess it would be a workshop on the four yeah. agreements, on the four agreements. And it just reminds me of the first agreement of being impeccable with your word. And if you're not impeccable with your word to yourself, it's almost like you're doing yourself a disservice and you're yeah. hurting yourself when you're not impeccable with your word to others. Yeah. Yeah. And exactly what you said when we are lying to ourselves in the in the big picture of it, we're not being you use we're not being authentic, but really we're we're lying to ourselves. Mm-hmm. We're not being impeccable with our word. We do go through that then then it's almost like a, a resentment builds, not only for the other person. But for yourself, because then you're constantly, like you said, beating yourself up, that constant inner negative self-talk of, Mm -hmm. I can't believe I did that. Why am I here? Why am I agreeing to stuff I don't want to do? And it really, you know, yeah, it just comes back to how we're communicating. How are we communicating with ourselves? How are we communicating to each other? Yeah. 100%. And when you don't do those things you create a disconnection within. Mm. I don't know about you, but the, through probably the decade that I was living my life without realizing, like I said, not being authentic or speaking my truth, mm-hmm. not being impeccable for sure. I felt so disconnected from the whole world, like mm. speaking a language that nobody knew. Or um, that I could, even in jobs, like finding the job, I feel connected to so to so much of it, but so much of it felt disconnected. And I think that was because, like I said, I I when you're not speaking your truth, 
um, it's hard for people to, for you to attract the right friendships, to attract the right jobs, to attract the right lover. You're attracting what you are acting, you know, like is okay. Yeah. So like attraction states, then you're going to pull all that in. But if you're, if you're not authentically saying what you want, you're creating a world that you're living in. That's not even yours. Mm, man, that's deep. That's why it feels like you're an alien because you created a life that you really didn't even want. And I know it sounds easy, you know, but we both know it's hard coming into your truth. Oh, for sure. So gosh, this just is, is like uh, reminding me of, of so many things that I've done. I know at one point I was scared to death to actually say how I felt or, you know, share my thoughts on my opinions on, on something. And I think a lot of women might get caught up in that, especially if they are people pleasers. Right. Um, and we have that, uh, conversation when about going out to dinner and the woman's like, I don't know. No, she knows what she wants. Gentlemen, I'm just going to tell you that give you a little secret. She knows what she wants. She just, <laughs> right, Leah? She just wants to make sure that she mm-hmm. doesn't say something that you won't want. Mm-hmm. So that is a huge one that I think is so common in women that we just go, oh, I don't, I don't know. Or I don't care. And the truth is they do know and they do care. They just don't want to. Uh, quote unquote, feel needy or look mm-hmm. needy. And honestly, n- being needy is meaning your needs aren't getting met. Amen. Say that again, Shay. <laughs> I'm letting confetti off. <laughs> yeah, right. Right. When you're s- seeing yourself as being needy, it's because your needs aren't getting met. And most of the time, it's because you were unwilling to ask. For them. Thank you. Thank you. And I don't know about you and I, and I'm sorry we're getting off track, but damn, no, this is awesome. I love it. Keep going. <laughs> I was so guilty of doing that with dating. Mm. Uh, you know, it's like, I don't think people realize how much as women, we do that too. Like we'll go, we'll start dating someone and, and they're like, Oh, I'm a, st- oh, let me do my man voice. I'm a Steelers fan. Right. Uh, right. And then the girl's like, oh, you are? I like football too. And then she's like Googling why he's in the restroom, Stiller stats, because she really doesn't know crap about Stillers. And he's so excited because he found a girl that loves the Stillers. And then three years down the road, she's sitting there and she's like, are we really watching the Stillers again? But he thought she loved football. Mm-hmm. Wanted that connection. So she conformed to create the connection. Mm, Wow. You said a lot right there. Wow. We conformed to create that connection. Mm -hmm. Wow. Yes. And then the connection crumbles because it wasn't built on a strong foundation of authenticity or truth. Yes. And I know, I know this and fellas, believe me, this is not just a woman thing. This is a man thing. I know lots of, Oh yeah. They ain't getting away with this. <laughs> right. I know. <laughs> exactly. I know lots of men who have also been in this position where they've conformed to create that connection as well. And, and Lee and I have had many, many, many conversations about this kind of stuff. So I love this. just a few. <laughs> <laughs> so I love why, where this conversation is going. <laughs> Um, 
I told her I, I just would start with a couple of questions and we'll just kind of take it off from the conversation. This is exact. This is perfect. So as a person who invested in themselves and healed through their inner child work or their meditation or their soul um, development session with you, do they then have the opportunity to really see themselves in a way that allows them to tap into their authentic self? 100%. Mm. That's what I try to give them more than anything is just forming the connection within. So once they do that, they begin to live in that authenticity and authenticity just becomes natural to them. One of the biggest things that we do is we go back to that phrase of zoom out. And my favorite thing that a lot of the clients walk away with is for many years, they've spent healing from an abuser. Mm. And the more work we do, they start to see how much the abuser needed to heal. And they mm. say, see the abuser different, differently. And they start to see their family differently. And um, I think that's because once again, when you're connected within things just tend to look differently. And one of the things that we really work on is I tell my clients that in order to really feel like you're living instead of being a zombie all the time is to visualize the triangle. And with the triangle, that means that you have a healthy relationship with yourself emotionally, your emotional and maturity and emotional intelligence is high. Mm-hmm. So have a spiritual connection. And then you also have a connection physically, you're physically healthy. Mm. When all three of those are in alignment, you just feel so vibrant and so Mm. eager to live. But when one of your little sides of the triangle is barely hanging on, it creates that foundation that doesn't feel stable. So oftentimes when you find yourself getting really stuck in depression and anxiety, it's because one of those parts is not getting your attention. And if you start paying more attention to that little side of the triangle, the balance will even out and you'll start to feel more connected. Mm. So, so true. And it's just making me think about how when you do work on the one part that you're noticing is, is not complete or not being fulfilled. It's not thriving. So I use mm-hmm. the words surviving versus thriving. Mm-hmm. So you're not thriving spiritually or physically or emotionally when you do and you pour into it, which is really yourself. You're really pouring back into yourself. Then you can, it overflows onto the next item, onto the Amen. next, onto the next area. Right. And Amen. it's, it's natural. It's just mm-hmm. natural. Mm-hmm. And then you can come from a place of it overflowing into other people, mm-hmm. whether that be your, your significant other, your child, your parent, you know, your coworker, and then mm-hmm. your business, and then even larger, your community, right? And I think you hit the nail on the head when you said, you know, as a, an abused woman, you see the abuser as being the, a guilty party mm-hmm. and and they don't see how they at one point were probably abused. Yes. Yes. Because hurt people hurt Hurt people. people. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And when we do inner child work, one of the things that blows a lot of their minds is they didn't realize how they were still trapped so much 
whatever age they were abused or whatever age, let's say they were bullied or whatever that was, they didn't realize that now at 38 or however old they are, when they go to respond, when those wounds resurface or someone reminds them of the abuser or whatever, um, they react at whatever age that was, that trauma was created. So you might be this awesome businesswoman who's 38 rocking it. But then when your boss talks down to you in front of everyone, your six-year-old comes out and you shut down and you don't speak up for yourself or, you know, you begin to go to the bathroom and, and cry or you pick yourself apart, whatever. Those behaviors are trapped at that age. But the beautiful thing is what's the opposite of that is there's a lot of really beautiful memories that were there too, but we mm. them out in order to protect ourselves. We block, most of the time we'll block that whole year or a few years, whatever, you know, when, let's say that you were abused from six to nine, mm-hmm. we block out all those years and you don't remember them. Well, when we start doing that inner child work and they start to see people differently, they also start to see all these other beautiful memories come back. I know a lot of people get nervous when they think, oh my gosh, I got to go that far back or I got to go that deep when I'm healing. But on the opposite side of that, you bring back that light to it. It's not just all, you know, pulling the shadows back to be exposed. You get to, you get to just see life a little bit differently and you can recreate it too. Sometimes we'll go back when they don't remember and we'll literally reparent them. I'll have them become Mm -hmm. the mom parent her or the father or the sister, you know, you can recreate your script at any time. You just got to be willing to pick up the pen. So true. So true. So, uh, I I know the answer to this, but I just want to, if our listeners do, does it have to be a trauma or could it just be like a one-time incident of something that happened in childhood that we're carrying with us into adulthood? What I like to tell people, because I have a lot of people say that to me, they say, well, I actually had like kind of the Cosby life, you know, Um, but what I tell them is trauma can basically describe anything that from that point in that situation, it changed your way of thinking and not necessarily in a healthy manner. So it doesn't have to necessarily be an abusive family. It could have even been a horrible breakup. It could have been a car wreck you had where now you're terrified to drive or, you know, it could have been a horrible hospital stay and now you don't ever get medical attention. Whatever it was that from that point forward, it changed the way that you perceive it. And that's the only way you perceive it from that point forward. Does that make sense? Totally. It makes sense to me. (laughs) Because it it causes a, why I say that is because as I call it, like going back to the social work, it changes your response is now projection. Yeah. It's normally now this is a fear-based response. It's a response from you acting out of the past instead of you acting out of the present. Absolutely. So I'll give you guys a instance of my own life. So I was probably uh, maybe 11 years old and I was in a car accident and my dad hit a horse and I loved horses up until that moment. And then we hit the horse, the car was totaled. I had, had I had a, a cross body seatbelt in the back seat, I would have been kicked in the head. Mm. And I, we were all lucky. We walked away with scratches and bruises and that's it. Um, but we could have been seriously hurt. However, I went from loving horses to being scared. Yeah. Cause that was traumatic for you. Absolutely. In that moment, that was trauma for you. 
Right. And I love how you said that it really changes the way that you think about something. Mm -hmm. So if anyone's listening, when they are thinking about their own childhood or their own, you know, stuff that they've gone through as, as even as an adult, if something's happened and you don't know if it's a trauma or not, your brain will figure that out. Your brain automatically knows if it's trauma or not and will change the way, like Leah said, that you think about that one thing that you mm-hmm. change your filtering system. Absolutely. Absolutely. And it changes it to be fearful of it because fear actually protects you. Yes. And since I am a, a that's what I coach in is, is helping people break through freer. That's literally, I'm so glad we're having this conversation. That's what's happening is that fear is showing up to protect you to just let Mm -hmm. you know that, Hey, remember when that thing happened and what Leah does is come in and walks you through it and has you rewrite the script, as she said, and has you acted out in a way that there's other supporting characters there. Yeah. Because you know what happens, Shay, is that what we do is we think that fear that's protecting us when we become adults and we become spiritual, it gets a new word and you know what it becomes? A lot of people go, oh, my intuition, my gut told me. Mm. And so we think all this, you know, God is telling me that that man is toxic. But a lot of times what it is, is your filtering system is reacting, not your gut. So your filtering system that you created when you were six or however old is telling you alert, alert, alert. He reminds me of so-and-so. He smells like so-and-so, whatever it is, right? Mm -hmm. You deem that as your gut is protecting you. So one of the things when people are really getting into spirituality, I always tell them before you always deem that saying that that's your intuition telling you, you need to make sure that it's not your past telling you something and you're going and saying my intuition is stopping me from that. Because until you actually really work and address your wounds and your filtering system, your intuition is, has to go through that too. Mm-hmm. And the more that you develop, like we said, that connection to the creator, to really developing your faith or whatever it is you believe in that feels in alignment with you, and you're really working on your physical connection with yourself or even physical connection with others, and then you're working on that emotional connection. When all those are in alignment, you don't even have to question your filtering system. Your intuition now has a self, a, a strong foundation to say, hey, we can actually trust that if we honor this intuition and we go for it, we're going to be safe. Mm-hmm. And because all of our sides, our, our little triangle will be there to protect us like a soft cushion. If we fall fear mm-hmm. that you're going to fall and you don't know where you're going to fall. You're going to fall into lava. You're going to fall into coal. You're going to fall into paradise. Fear doesn't know. Right. But a tells you, you'll always have a little cushion to fall. And there's going to be a little trampoline behind you, girl. <laughs> Faith yes. over fear. <laughs> yes, I love that. And you use faith. I use hope. There's always hope. There's hope in the in the midst of hope. fear. Yeah, absolutely. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Ah, gosh, what a I'm like, what 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 nugget do I pick out of that one? That was beautiful. You said thank <laughs> you. So tell us about when you've looked at something through fear and because of the the investment that you did in yourself, you were able to shift it for yourself. Ooh, I think one of my biggest ones was 
I created a fear around my mindset of being a single mother. Mm. The fear that told me I'm always going to struggle. I'm always going to financially struggle. Um, and that fear caused me to make a lot of choices that back that up, right? So I, um, speaking of dating, I've always been blessed that the little nuggets in my life come from a lot of my dating experiences. And um, I had went on a date with someone, and I'll never forget this. Uh, he was a lot younger than me. And this was probably like our sixth or seventh date. And so I finally got to see his his condo. And I'm looking around and I'm thinking, man, he's really done this for himself. He's really successful. He's really high up in his job. Um, he's he, all the barriers about his age, being a minority, like he's done it all. Mm-hmm. And so I said to him, I said, how did you, because um, he's telling me how he overcame all these, these limiting beliefs. And um, I said, well, how did you get from where you live to here? Yeah. And he said, I told myself that no matter how comfortable I get, no matter how high up I get, I always level up, always level up. And I said, well, what do you mean? He goes, when I bought this condo, I knew that I wasn't at the, the field right now that would support this condo. So I had to push myself. So I, fin- I finished school while I was working and I was really struggling at first with this condo. And then, you know, he pushed himself, pushed himself, he got a new job, right? So then he made another purchase so that he would continue to level up to get a higher paying job or promotion to support the lifestyle he was creating for himself. So that night when I got home, I was looking around my apartment and honey, I love that little apartment. It was so cheap. It was like $500, Shay. Oh, wow. Yes. And guys, I'm not talking a long time ago. I'm talking a few years ago. Mm. So, you know, I'm in this apartment and I'm looking around and I'm like, he's right. I've lived in this apartment at the time for eight years. Mm. I lived there. It was cheap. It was comfortable. And I didn't have to push myself out of my comfort zone. Mm. Because I could still go out to eat. I could still do all the things. So I wasn't necessarily pushing myself to level up. And when he said that, I was like, he's so right. So I got out of my field around that time and pushed myself into a completely different field that was a commission-only job. And I said, if I don't work, we don't eat. I got to level up. So I just kept telling myself that. Then we moved into this house. Mm -hmm. I'm not going to pretend that it's not a struggle sometimes financially, but we leveled up. And a time that I look around this house or if I start to get stressed, you know, I'm like, look at what. Look at what stepping out of that fear and comfort has created. We now have a home, mm. you know, even if it's, we're renting a home, it's still a home. We can garden, we can do all these things. But if I would have just remained comfortable, we'd have been that little anorexic apartment, <laughs> you know? And so it's, it's taking that. I think that that moment just changed me. And I just started really looking at things. Am I doing them out of comfort? Or am I doing them because this is going to help me reach my next level? Mm, yeah. Comfort is good, but we all know comfort is not good for long. If Just like the quarantine right now. If we wear sweatpants and yoga pants or scrubs every day, we can eat anything thing we want and we'll be comfortable in the sweat. <laughs> the moment you take those sweats off and put some jeans on, you're like, ooh, because you got comfortable being comfortable. Exactly. Exactly. So, yeah. The jeans are kind of like, oh God, I got to step back. You got to level up again. You <laughs> <laughs> so, 
step away from the snack. You know? Right, right. Yeah, the, instead of really putting on the COVID-19. <laughs> yes, yeah. Wow, that's such a beautiful story. And you're so right. I mean, for me, stepping out of the comfort zone is how I've lived my life the past 11 years. And every single time I do, it is the most amazing amazing opportunities that open up and you would never, you would never have seen them had you stayed in that comfort zone. It's always the moments. Are we allowed to cuss on here? (laughs) It's always the moments when you're scared, you know what? Okay. So it's in those moments when your hands are, your hands are trembling, trembling and your feet are shaking and you're like, Oh my gosh, what's on the other end. Right. Mm -hmm. Story uh, real quickly. I took my son, um, to this, I can't even think of what it's called, a fugitive beach. And it's like a man-made beach out of an old rock quarry. And it has all these different um, caves that you can kind of cliff dive off of and you can, or not caves, sorry, cliffs that you can dive off of and go into the water. Okay. And this is another one that reminds me of this, what we're talking about. And I would watch these people Girl, they, they hiked up, walked up all these, you know, all these different feeds to get a foot or whatever. And they get up there on the top of the cliff and they mm-hmm. were excited to jump. I mean, they've been talking about it. And then they, they look over, right? And what did you think they let happen? Fear took over. Fear. Mm. And they would look over in the moment that they lost all the faith that took them up there and all the joy and all the excitement about doing something new. And they got in their head. The moment they let that happen, very few of them would jump, but the ones that would go up and they would just jump off, they would laugh. They'd have the time of their life. They'd go right back up and go again. And what is so crazy is how contagious fear is and how that goes back to really being careful with who you're hanging around because it was crazy. You'd watch the line of people and the line of the people who would be afraid, like if somebody was afraid, it would affect the next few people. And then you get one brave person and they jump off and that would affect the next few people. So, you know, when you're on this journey of, of doing your hope or faith over fear, or whatever motto you live by, just imagine yourself like running up, you know, running up there and just jumping, like jumping deep down. Because all of them, what's crazy is, Shay, they were all safe. Every one of them mm-hmm. had the same exact equipment. Nobody was different. They all, I mean, we might be shaped a little different, but they all had life jackets, mm-hmm. lifeguards all around them. Yeah. Everybody had the same setup. Mm. Did they leap to the next level up? Or not? Yeah. Wow. That's so true. And I love what you said about how fear is contagious. I mean, we're, we're recording this in the middle of the the pandemic. And we see this all the time, how fear is contagious. And, and yet on the other side, so is faith. So is hope. So is positivity, whatever you want to call it. That is also contagious. And you, the listener, as Leah and I know, you get a choice. And so it's up to you to decide which way you're going to choose. Yeah. All these, you know, everybody right now is focusing on what they're putting in their body, you know, what they're putting in their body or who they're around and they're putting on a, a mask because they don't, they want to be protected, right? They, they want to be protected. They don't want to get sick. That's the same mindset that you should have every day of what you're also putting in your body and your, and when I'm saying body, I'm not just meaning 
eating. I'm talking about your ears, what you allow yourself to see, what you're digesting spiritually. You need to make sure you're also putting on masks and that too and protecting yourself from breathing that stuff in because that stuff is the quickest way to just destroy your faith because a lot of that stuff is fear too. Yes. But what you're putting in. Absolutely. I say, you know, you, you have control over what you consume. And so if the consume, the part that you're consuming, whether that be food or media or Netflix or, you know, whatever alcohol, if that's, Mm -hmm. if that is, you know, driving that fear, then you have a choice to change what you're consuming. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Beautifully said, Leah. Thank you. So where can people connect with you? Like, what are your social media platforms? Do you have a website? All that good stuff. If somebody wanted to work with you, what do they do? Yeah. So, you know, I've, I've ran my business, um, the past several years, just being referral only. So I've never really developed a website, but what, um, I suggest people to do is to find me. Um, you can find me on Facebook, Leah Vander Linden, um, or you can just go, I have a woman's um, group that's based on allowing women to have a voice when it comes to really finding um, their spirituality and being able to have a platform to say, hey, you know, I'm, I'm learning how I how I feel about God or I'm exploring this faith or whatever. There's so many different women in there that believe different things. And so you have that safe place to do that. So that's called the Soulful Goddess. But we also have... Um, you can reach me on Living Life with Leah, which is also on Facebook, or you're welcome to email me. I'm old school, I guess. <laughs> yeah. What's your, what's your email? Leah, L-E-A-H, and then it's Nicole, it's N-I-C-K-O-L-E at gmail.com. Awesome. So they can find you on Facebook at Leah Vanderlinden or uh, the Facebook group called Soulful Goddess. Mm-hmm. Or um, your Facebook page, which is Living Life with Leah. Yes, and that's my business page. So that does have a little bit more about what I do. And you can message me on there too. Awesome, awesome, awesome. Well, Leah, it has been amazing. And time is just flying by. I can't believe it. So I always like to leave with this question. What phrase, scripture, or mantra are you living by right now? It, It really is faith over fear. And I, you know, what's funny is I think who I heard say that the first time was Rhonda. And um, yeah, I just, I heard that and I was like, wow, because that really is the truth for me. Am I living in faith or am I living in fear? And then what can I do to give myself more faith instead of the fear? And is that Rhonda Britton? Yes, sorry. (laughs) That's Rhonda Britton, my my mentor and coach uh, through Fearless Living. So I love that you... You saw that because that was back on starting over when she had the show. Yeah, Yeah. she had the show starting over. So that was awesome. Well, Leah, thank you so, so much. And uh, we've had so much fun talking. Just know that uh, the audience just know that, you know, she's going to be back. We're going to have more conversations. (laughs) I'm telling you. Because her and I can talk for hours and hours and hours. (laughs) And we're like, gosh, we should have been recording this. This was so much powerful information. So just know that she will be back on. So thank you for being here, Leah. And um, we wish you well and safe and healthy. Thank you for having me. I love it. I will so be back. (laughs) Good. (laughs) Have a great, and thank you all for listening.
Are you looking for an inspiring and energetic speaker or host for your special event? Do you wish to have more confidence, more love, and more accepting of yourself? And you're curious about how to work with me one-on-one? Or are you looking for a brainstorming and visionary consultant on how to grow your business? When your answer is yes, then I invite you to send me an email at heyshay at shaysparks.com. That's H-E-Y-S-H-A at S-H-A-S-P-A-R-K-S dot com. Looking forward to hearing from you. part of our show, and it's people like you that make this show possible. So we hope that you know you are appreciated. Don't forget to subscribe, comment, and share this podcast. And when you want to continue the fun and conversation, join my official community on the Shea Sparks Facebook page. That's S-H-A-S-P-A-R-K-S on Facebook. Looking forward to connecting with you. May your day be filled with the sparks of hope that ignites you to invest in yourself and the people around you. Why, you may ask? Because you are worth it.